Hey guys, and welcome back to the Tall Guys Podcast. We have a very special episode today. Uh, another another guest has made an appearance, and uh, we can't wait to get into it. We've got several, Ross. We promise you guys, <laughs> season two would be the best season yet. And where are we at right now? We are on the cusp of greatness. We are. We are. And it is mostly because of the guests that we have on today. Mm-hmm. Would you like to introduce him, Zach? This is the man that... I'll be honest, I'll be quite honest, got me kind of introduced to this whole thing. Um, He did a radio show. I don't know if he still does a radio show at OC, sort of, Um, but he was uh, sort of a pioneer in that way at OC and uh, also was a pioneer for Tall Guys Pod and was uh, was a bit of inspiration for, I know me, maybe Ross possibly, exactly. uh, the one and only Will Hadley. Will, how are we, how are we doing on this fine Friday afternoon? We're uh, we're doing pretty well. I've been I've been waiting to come on, come onto the pod for a while. Um, we we got our start kind of all together on the slam. On so the slam. The that, slam. that was nice. I was actually uh, looking at at some of the episodes of the slam a couple weeks ago, and um, I was looking at the, what I had titled the episodes because I mean I titled them obviously due to the content uh-huh. in the episode. And one of them was titled. Uh, keep in mind this was last year. Right. Last last NFL season. And one of them was titled "Lamar Jackson Sucks." Oh, tough. So I immediately <laughs> deleted <Cold> that. <laughs> I immediately deleted that podcast. But but to be should. fair, he wasn't he wasn't that great last year. Well, yeah, yeah. There was there was reason. There was, there was some doubt. There was statistical evidence to back up that last season. But but I'll admit my fault. Um, my faults are very few. Um, but but I'll admit it when I make one. Well, we're not, you know, we're not opposed to making mistakes. And I predicted last, you know, one of the last pods that OU would beat LSU. And uh, so you're not alone. I think as all, all media people guess, they guess wrong sometimes. Or they have opinions that don't pan out the way we would hope so. No take like a hot take, right? No that's, what like we're, no, take. that's what we're going to provide here is uh, fresh off the grill takes. At uh, tall, tall guys pod. So on the slate today, just so you know, we've got Ricky Gervais and the Golden Globes. How in the world did they let him on stage for a fifth time? Uh, Iran and Trump, guys. This is we're not a super political podcast, but we are going to get in some politics today. And does God actually hate the city of New Orleans? Um, come to find out, uh, that's a possibility. He might. Um, we're going to predict our national championship game, and uh, we're also going to dive into, this is probably one of my most exciting segments, is the most lovable movie character in film history. And as I, as I hear, Will, it sounds like you have some input on this. I do, I do, but, but we'll save that. We'll I'm save excited, that. I'm we'll excited to hear that. And then we're going to end it with the new sheriff in town, Mike, uh, Mike the man, McCarthy. <laughs> Mike the man. At the Dallas Cowboys helm. So, to start us off, Ricky Gervais, the original creator of The Office, my favorite TV show, not the British version, but the American version with Steve Carell. Nevertheless, he's a fantastic comedian. Went up onto the Golden Globes and basically utterly destroyed everyone in the audience. Um, To my amusement, to America's amusement, and people around the world. And the only people that didn't like it were those actually present. So, guys, 
Did you watch this? Did you watch the opening monologue from Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes? I watched it after it happened. So I was busy that night and hopped onto Twitter and Ricky Gervais is trending. So I'm like, okay, like he's hosting the Golden Globes, like whatever. Click on it. And first tweet I see, the top tweet is his opening monologue. And I'm like, oh man, I have to watch this. And it was some of the best comedy I have seen in recent years. Like this is, it was true comedy. And I think think nobody knew how to react to it because we haven't seen anything like this yeah i uh to be honest i watched it on the way or i listened to it on the way over here um, I, don't, I don't think anyone watched it live because no one watches who it nobody watches, watches it. Yeah. because yeah. they're trash yeah who watches that but um man it was uh it was pretty brutal i'm gonna i'm gonna say it i enjoyed every second um but but here's the thing i think what made it funnier is that, I mean, the people in the audience, like, or the celebrities, mm-hmm. they they didn't think it was funny. Right. And, I mean, what does that say about you if he's sitting there making fun of known pedophile Jeffrey Epstein and you're not okay with it? What does it say about you? There's a lot wrong in that sentence. Right? Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I uh... I think at a certain point you gotta at least put on a face and laugh because something. I mean, but uh, aren't they all actors? I mean, can they not pretend it's funny? He uh, it, it, he spit some truth too. I mean, at the end he's talking about don't get up here and, and, and spew some some political stuff. That was my favorite part. Yeah, when yeah, you that was when you absolutely my favorite part. Don't take some political stand when you accept your award when you're working for Apple and Disney. Yeah, two and of the most ISIS corrupt. came out with a streaming service. Yeah. Call your agents. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was very uh, much needed in uh, in our culture today, especially with what's going on. And people take offense to to everything, and they think that because they're offended by something, that that is wrong, automatically. And just dispersing or just diffusing it like that. And uh, the look on Tom Hanks' face, I think, also made it super funny. Like you were saying that they weren't laughing, like they didn't react, like they thought it was funny. Tom Hanks, literally, I think he forgot. That he was Tom Hanks instead of being his, uh, what's that guy, Mister uh, Rogers. Rogers' character? Because he's, you know, he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was, I loved it. I, like Ross, I thought I, I saw it from a third party. Actually, I saw it on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I went and watched the YouTube clip, and uh, it was phenomenal. Yeah, I think it just goes to show that the statement that every group, every good joke has a little bit of truth in it. Mm-hmm is very true and all of his jokes had a lot of truth in them and i just i think it was about time for somebody to step up and say it and i'm glad that ricky gervais took the opportunity this is kind of what i was thinking and um i haven't really been involved sort of in like i don't know what popular culture a whole lot or politics and whatnot but I've tried to verse myself a little bit more into it. That way I'm not, I'm getting outside of my bubble, but is this a wave of new sort of thinking as, as it pertains to the celebrities and like how we view them and how they endorse things and, and sort of what we, how much truth we actually um, hold towards them, I guess, and what they say. And I don't know. 
I think it very well could be. I think it could definitely be the pendulum kind of swinging back the other way. Because we um, went so far. We went so far. And just accepting everything yeah. as like, okay, fine. But now with this, it's sort of like, no, like we're going to call it like we see it. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry about your feelings, but like, this is how it is. People need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like at a certain point, um, yeah, there needs to be some accountability um, among people who who we watch um, every single day, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, when we're sitting here watching Netflix, like, like these are people that we view every single day, people that we support, give our money to, right? So, um, yeah, I feel like there needs to be a sense of, of accountability, um, but at the same time, that also goes a little too far. Um, especially with the uh, complete joke that is uh, QAnon, if you guys know what that is. I do not. I do not. <clears throat> Enlighten us. I mean, I'll give you a very short. QAnon is, is it's extremely conservative. Um, it's this conspiracy group thing, news thing that mm. that um, a lot of like conservatives kind of take in. Um, and, and they have this whole idea that there's some giant, like, uh, I mean, and, and I don't pay attention a lot to it, so, so I may be wrong about some of the things I'm saying, but the like, whole conspiracy that there's some giant, like, prostitution ring among Hollywood and that, like, Donald oh. Trump was elected to, to save uh, kids from this, like, sex ring and stuff. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Like, that's just... A little bit of it. It's real weird. Interesting. And I, I think that's where a lot of the Hollywood slander um, has come from recently. Huh. Is that? And I may be wrong, but um, I, mean, I, I do think it's ridiculous. Um, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that I don't think that uh, Donald Trump was elected by the God that I believe in to uh, to do anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that sort of leads into I, I wanted to lump these two together because I feel like in in some way they're kind of related. Um, we've we've gone how long has this Iran thing lasted? Like two weeks, two or three weeks? I think we're going on week two. Week two, mm-hmm. and a, such an interesting thing has happened. And like I said, I've been trying to verse myself a little bit more on what's going on, and I even tweeted. I tweeted out this past week. I was like, because I was I was actually curious because I was getting a little bit like nervous about it. I was like, okay, I might need to know what's actually going on. And so as I went and I lo- tried to look and find stuff, it was all either just it what seemed to be subjective uh, commentary on either Trump and his morals and his decision making, or it was subjective. Uh, people that supported Trump and saying, um, yeah, everything he's done is justified and um, I don't care if Trump tweets that if Iran attacks us, he's going to respond heavily. And so that left me thinking, I was like, if I want to well-verse myself on stuff, where am I left to go? Because it seemed like, and I don't know if it's over, but it seems like it's still going somewhat, but it seems like it's Iran and company and tr- versus Trump and company. It's it's not sort of like a US and Iran thing. It's more of a 
Iran and its people versus Trump and his sort of people. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on what in the world is going on and um, do you think that Trump doing these things is going to lead to more conflict other than just Iran doing this? Can, can you enlighten me on, on what the... Um, just so we can get, get some fact-checking going on uh-huh. what the what the initial attack from, from Iran was on? Yes, I, I will. I don't know off the top of my head, but I will. Um, because... I mean, I don't think people understand the gravity of, of like the how perennial the person that that was killed was. Like that's the equivalent of like Mike Pence being assassinated. Yes. Yeah. That's like, a, I mean, he's like a top-ranking military official mm-hmm. in Iran <laughs> under a very corrupt regime. Um. And I think what what amazed me is the hours after he was killed and seeing some of the tweets come out from Iran and the people saying thank you for doing this because he was such a bad, like, this guy was the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what interests me is because whenever it first happened, you didn't get that. And then after the proverbial dust had kind of settled, you began to see that, okay, like, this strike wasn't just kind of a random random preemptive strike like it was a calculated they knew who they were going after kind of a strike um yeah so the guy's name was Kassam Soleimani and uh you're right I mean he's pretty much our Mike Pence and he um was planning what the you what the Secretary of State said is that he was planning large broad scale attacks against American facilities including U.S. embassies in the Middle East Um, But didn't really provide more information on that. But basically, yeah, this guy wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. This this guy was actually was a bad guy. He needed to be he needed to be executed. And so what I thought was interesting was you have one side that absolutely hates Trump so much that from what I saw on the extremist side was they almost were trying to justify this guy and saying that we didn't need to kill him and why and almost taking that and then saying why in the world does Trump have his finger on a button to where he can just do this but I mean this is no different than any other president has ever had the power to I mean, this isn't some new thing mm-hmm. I mean yeah. the president has always been able to do this and so um, I just thought it was super interesting the different takes people would give on it because almost in an objective sense, this guy was a threat and was a danger. But when it happened, because people perceive someone in such a negative way, no matter what act they're tied to, even if it's a, if it's a justified one, they're going to find a way to poke holes in it and do that. So then my thought is, is where are we going? I mean, where are we going now if Trump gets reelected or if someone else comes into office are we just going to have people going back and forth and no one's ever going to really agree on one person and we may just go into an impeachment battle where the house just trades off impeaching people uh, as new presidents come? I mean, is that, is that somewhere where we're going or do you think that there's, this is just a one case scenario, this guy, and I agree, I'm not the biggest Trump fan, 
but is this just a one guy thing where people are just that this happens to I just feel like we have a political culture right now that refuses to see the other side on both sides um, you have the right who refuses to see the left then the left who refuses to see the right and it leads to very extreme opinions on both sides um, and again I think that's a pendulum that's swinging um, how that tide kind of turns back I don't know how that happens and I don't know when that happens that's yeah. my opinion yeah I mean I, I, w- I will admit that um, Donald Trump has has been treated unfairly um, and to an extent mm-hmm. um, I mean there there's a lot of situations that I see where where he'll, he'll make an act and that he, he him and, and I assume his staff truly believes is the right thing and and everyone just craps on him for it, you know? Um, and I, I feel like there's not much listening, but that goes on both sides as well. Right. Um, you look at, for example, you look at um, immigration. Um, Barack Obama was very strict on immigration. Um, I'm pretty sure that ICE came into effect under Barack Obama. It did. Not a lot of people know that, but they yes. did. Yes. And so it's it's to the point where it's like, okay, on the on the progressive side, um, it's okay. Well, well, you're you're roasting Trump for for um, being so strict and so heavy on immigration, but you praised Obama's whole term for everything he did, right? And then it goes the same the other way. I mean, um, mm-hmm. conservatives, you're praising Donald Trump um, for being so tough on immigration but you shot on Barack Obama every chance you got mm-hmm. you know um, and it's just it. a lot of it is misinformation right and I also think it's very funny how not funny it's scary but it's very interesting how many conservatives are not only okay with going to war but are almost in support yeah of going to war and going back to immigration I mean we get one of the biggest excuses I've I've gotten for um, treating Mexican immigrants horribly and having such a strict immigration policy is that, oh, well, we shouldn't, and refugees as well. I mean, this fits really well in this scenario. It's, it's I always hear it, it's, um, we should worry about ourselves before we worry about anyone else. You know, I hear it all the time, let's worry about ourselves before we start worrying about anyone else. We got enough things to fix. And it's like, okay, well, you're only okay with getting involved with brown people if you're killing them and not saving them, right? Yeah. That's the that's the situation that we're in right now? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great example of this whole, like, we don't want to help, for example, the refugees from the Middle Eastern countries. We don't want to help them, but we're so quick to call strikes in on them and to f- try to fix problems that way instead of doing things the other way it's just a really weird political climate it's really strange and what i think doesn't do us any good is when we have christian leaders that don't address what you just both said but then we'll go in and endorse something or someone that is tied to that what you just said mm-hmm. so then you have people left to believe that they may support that as well since they haven't addressed it. And so I think that's where we can get into some danger is 
especially with church getting involved with with politics is um is that can almost galvanize that side even more by saying well i'm a christian and i'm a uh, i'm a conservative and if this guy if this pastor or this church leader that i hold in high esteem endorses trump who i you know normally would associate with that type of thinking um then that must be okay and whatnot and again that's a slippery slope um and so i think it's just a dangerous it's a dangerous time because when i look at it like i thought it was a joke at first when i saw the world war three memes and stuff like that and i was like okay that's fun. like it's somewhere like it's funny but then as it keeps going on and on and then i ran attacks back i'm like wait a minute like how how serious really is this mm-hmm. and um it's just the the climate we're in right now it's it's tough um and again, I'm not super well versed on politics and whatnot, but I'm trying to get a little bit more educated on it. Um, but as I do, as I venture towards that, I just get more confused and um, a little bit more nervous as we um, as we go into stuff like this. So, yeah, I'm uh, starting to get kind of scared when I saw World War Three stuff. <laughs> trying to realize uh, yeah, this could be legit. I'm about to cut my dick off so I don't get drafted. Yeah. <laughs> Also, also, uh, before I get canceled, let me let me go back to uh, a recent uh, statement. The term "brown people" is is just for for the viewers to to um, understand where I was coming where from. You were so, yeah, I don't refer to people from the Middle East or people from um, from Mexico or uh, other Hispanic countries as brown people. Uh, that term was used ironically yeah. to um, show how uncultured the right side is mm-hmm. and how <clears throat> ridiculous their thoughts are. So so before I get canceled, I just want to go ahead and, and, and make that disclaimer. Those in our audience with a little bit of a higher IQ probably understood what you said, mm-hmm. but again, thank you for, thank clarifying, you for clarifying for those yep. who probably are too stupid to yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so something that was unidentifiable that I want to go back to from with Ricky Gervais, because I think that this was a, um, this is a two-sided coin because, um, one, it was funny, and two, this thing that he was talking about was horrendous. One thing that was indistinguishable was the people in the movie Cats, um, which I have not seen, (laughs) but I would discourage any of you from going to go see this film, and Ricky was not, um, nice at at all about one the film and two the people inside involving the film one being James Corden and the other um, being I don't even know her name but it was Judy Dench Judy Dench Julie Dench Judy Dench Judy Dench Judy Judy and um, this this might be the worst this might be the worst movie like in terms of reviews in in the decade like like it might be up there like and how bad it was and it's so weird because you look at the cast and it's what it appears to be a star-studded cast <laughs> and it was the it lost how much money did it lose you were telling me a hundred million a hundred million dollars it lost why would you think that's a good idea put a it's a mute it's feline a- soft porn Taylor <laughs> Swift for everyone to watch, freaking James Corden's fat ass <laughs> yeah, yeah. strutting himself around as a calico. Like what? When he called James Corden a fat pussy, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. That was pretty funny. Um, things I didn't think I needed to ever see in my life. <laughs> One, Jason Derulo in cat form. 
I never yes. needed to see that. Any of those people in cat form. Dude. I didn't need that. Yeah. I, you know, disclaimer here, I enjoyed the musical Cats. Have you seen it? I, I have, have seen not the musical. Seen it. I heard... I heard it was a beloved and beloved musical. It is it's a weird musical. <laughs> See, this is the thing. It is such a weird musical that I don't know who got the idea to be like, hmm, let's take this really eclectic and weird musical and turn it into a movie with animation. That's a horrible idea. It's just everything was flawed from the start with this. My question is, who who signed off on the animation on the cats? Because it was so like, yeah. I never want to like look at a cat de- like that again. It was definitely on yeah. purpose, but the, you know what yeah. I'm saying. Like, I know what you mean. That part of it was definitely on purpose, but why? Like why? Like why? Wasn't this movie PG? I mean, uh, there's no way. <laughs> if it was, it was a travesty, and all children should be cleansed. <laughs> but if it wasn't, I mean. It's just one of those things, like, you look at it and you're like, why? Like, why would you do that? Why? 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 What yeah. was the purpose in that? Every day we stray further from God. <laughs> <laughs> that we do, Will. Um, so, as we stray further from God, there is one particular city, as it pertains to professional sports, that time and time again seems to have the hand of God against it. And none other than New Orleans. Um, if you were watching NFL football wild card weekend, your heart broke. Mine certainly you... didn't, as my Titans uh, destroyed the Patriots dynasty. Oh. So uh, I'm just going to go throw that out. Oh. Ooh. So we can touch about that, too. I didn't know you were a Titans fan. I'm, I'd love to talk about that game. Okay. How did that make you feel, knocking off the Tom? Okay, well... All right, so the last few playoff games for the Titans, there's a game against the Chiefs that we won, um, and then two years ago, and then we lost to the Patriots, got knocked out um, two years ago. And going into the Chiefs game, it was um, kind of a Ross probably knows all about this, um, but it was kind of a um, <laughs> idea for me of. I think we have a shot. Like, I think we can win, but, like, I'm not really feeling too good about it. Mm-hmm. Now, Ross, go ahead and say what you were going to say. I ripped my shirt, my chief <laughs> shirt, after that loss because <laughs> I knew the entire game that that was going to happen because we went up 18-0 in the first half. It was something like that. Like, And then Captain Checkdown, Alex Smith, comes into full swing, comes swooping in like the piece of crap that he is. <laughs> worthless quarterback and I knew it we went into halftime and I said we're gonna lose this game because Andy Reid's gonna put on the brakes and we're just gonna throw two yard screen passes the entire second half and by golly that's what we did and we did lose to the Titans that that game and Marcus Mariota caught his own that touchdown pass that was that was beautiful I'm still not Um. over that that was the last (laughs) blunder of the Alex Smith years But um, and then when it went into the Patriots game, that well, not this past one, but the last time we played the playoffs, I um, got the feeling of once again like convince myself we have a chance, but like deep down I know you know we're, we I don't think we're gonna win this. But last week was a different feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a different feeling in Nashville. Um, Titans fans were were all convinced we're gonna win, and and. 
I knew that we were going to win that game. Like, that's the thing. Is that, like, that was just one of those times where, like, I didn't, I wasn't really nervous before the game. Like, I, I just felt like we were, we were the better team. Um, felt like we were going to stop a 42-year-old Tom Brady. Um, who, which, do the Patriots keep him? I mean, what, what, do you really re-sign a 42-year-old Tom Brady? That's what I wanted to talk about, too, is... So we're left with a geriatric Tom Brady, and there's two. I mean, again, there's two sides of the coin because the Patriots can't franchise tag him, which is one of the only ways they can guarantee to keep him. Tom Brady is now free agent and able to go wherever he wants, but who in the league would want a 42 year old yeah, Tom wants Brady? Him? Nobody. Like. But do you have a guy in Tom Brady who says, all right, I'm done. I'm done with Belichick. I'm done with the Patriots. I can win without him. If they're not going to get me weapons, I'm going to go somewhere else. But then, like, who takes him? And how much money mm-hmm. do they offer him? How much money do the Patriots offer him? With Jared Stidham at the helm, which, by God, I hope they don't ever start Jared Stidham. They would be at the bottom. Miami would probably end the season better than them. But do they trade up and do they use him to try and get up in the draft? Do they? I don't. I mean, I don't even know. Here's the thing. I I have just have a gut feeling, the Patriots are one day. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the quarterback of the New England Patriots, and and their dynasty is not going to stop. <laughs> That's the what. Yeah, that's the worst possible thing that could happen. The Cincinnati Bengals will trade their number one overall pick Ugh. for Tom Brady. Ugh. That would rip my heart out. Joe Burrow, quarterback. Joe Burrow at the helm of the New England Patriots. Here's an okay. That if that happened, I would stop watching the NFL. This I could actually see happening. You have an issue in L.A. Okay. The Los Angeles Chargers and the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. Obviously, no one really cares about either team. They need to sell tickets. They need to actually make money as a franchise. Phil Rivers is on his way to the retirement home. The the Chargers sign Tom Brady just to boost their ticket sales. And get people on the wagon to stop going to Los Angeles Rams games and to stop wearing Dallas Cowboy gear and to start wearing Los Angeles Chargers apparel. And to Tom Brady, is that a viable landing spot with Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen? Um, uh, who's that? There's another guy besides Austin uh, Eckler. Eckler, yeah. There's Eckler. He's got more weapons than he does in. New England. Do you think that's actually a possibility? It's my I mean, theory. I think it's a possibility. I, I don't think that it's a good move by the Chargers. I mean, how many ticket sales are you really going to gain from having Tom Brady? That's the thing is, yeah. how much is the reward for signing a 42-year-old quarterback? Yeah. In my gut, I see Tom Brady staying. I do too. I do too, as much as it hurts me to say it. But that is good news because he's definitely on a downhill slope. 
And I think we've at least got another year of him being quarterback. And of of them not being really a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I can't see it happening. But I think it's over. I think it's over. The dynasty's done. And it brings me joy. It does. Um, but have you ever seen a team... What's worse to be a Patriots fan right now and know that Tom Brady is done, a guy that's led you to so many Super Bowls, or to be a Saints fan and have just about as many opportunities to even get to a Super Bowl, all for you to, for it to just be blundered and what looks like the hand of God against you in the the Minneapolis miracle, the Rams pass interference call, this Kyle Rudolph catch in the back of the end zone where it was definitely a push off. And I recall someone's a video of there being some monster run by the Seahawks of Marshawn Marshawn Lynch Lynch. Mm -hmm. and the crotch grab. Yep. Okay. I'm going to disagree with you, Zach. If that's not the game winning play, does that pass interference get called? Do you think If that's not the game winning play, Mm -hmm. I don't think on a regular play. I don't think that that that, that get, gets called as a push off. I think really you should be looking for that when you've got that matchup right there. Officials should be looking for that, and I think in really in a regulation game, like and not even a playoff game, or just a regular season game, I think that's probably called. I think I think you should call that. Because you have the arm extended, the guy he back, he, obviously he's pushed off of him, and I think the problem is is that we just have an inconsistent pass interference thing going on, where we instituted a rule because of this Saints thing, and then it never actually happened. No one ever really got the the pass interference overturned, so we're not really understanding what their ju- like. What are their standards of what's a pass interference? Mm. What's a push off? Because because that's obviously a push off. To them, it just probably appears it's like, okay, how much of a push-off is this? Like, how effective was the push-off? And if it's not that bad, well, let's not call it. I think that's, I don't know. I don't know. But then again, I mean, I'm, I'm, on, the tra- I'm, gonna, I'm on the train of thought thinking, okay, the Saints had many chances to win that game. They probably could have put it away. It's the Minnesota Vikings. Alvin Kamara, I don't, he's to blame for that last drive because if you're watching, they're going hurry up, and they're trying to spike the ball, and they get a they get false a start. false start. But it's Alvin Kamara is not set, mm-hmm. and he is like throughout the whole game. I was watching the whole game, and he played horribly the entire game. Him and Sean Payton. Sean Payton should be held responsible for that team. Um, but he wasn't set. And, and you tell your guys if you're a, on a football team, you're like, listen, if we're going hurry up and we're spiking the ball, just get lined up. Like, just get – we're not running a play. You don't need to be in a certain spot. Like, literally just run up to the line and stay still. I mean, if you're a slot guy, you can be 20 yards back. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. The guys that need to be on the ball are the only ones that need to make sure they're on the ball. Yeah. Alvin wasn't even one of those guys that was on. He was off the ball, but he was fidgeting around and wouldn't stay still. He's yeah. looking for a call. Well, buddy, we're about to spike the ball. And so then they get flagged for it, and then that 10-second that, that runoff happens, which, again, 
Sean Payton is at fault here because it's 21 seconds left on the clock. He has two timeouts left. If he uses one of the timeouts, it cancels the 10-second runoff, and he would have 21 seconds with a timeout left. But he chooses to take the 10-second runoff, leaving them with 11 seconds left. And two timeouts. Where are you going to do with two timeouts and 11 <laughs> seconds? So then they kick the field and it's just, I was baffled. I was baffled the entire time. And I can't imagine if I was a Saints fan because I'd be crying myself to sleep every night. And you know most of those Saints fans are Pelicans fans as well. So that's just a right. double, double woe. Double whammy to them. They've got, the real thing we'll find out is if God hates LSU, hates New Orleans, I kind of gave it away, is if LSU wins the national championship. If LSU wins, maybe there's hope. Maybe we don't have a Sodom and Gomorrah on our hands. No, but keep in mind, LSU is Baton Rouge. They're in Baton Rouge. They're not in New Orleans. I know, so, I know. I'm um, just thinking about could, the whole uh, state of Louisiana. Yeah, it, uh, the curse could still be alive. <laughs> it could be there. Regardless. Um... And yeah, speaking of LSU, what do you guys? I, I kind of know your thoughts, Ross. But Will, what are you thinking about? Have you caught up? Have you been catching up with uh, college football this year? Have you been watching? Good bit, a, or good a little bit, bit. Yeah. What do you think about this uh, national championship? Um, I think LSU is one of the most talented teams we've seen in a while. Yeah. Um, they're really good. Joe Burrow has a lot of uh, has a lot of just intangibles that he he. There's just. A lot of things that, especially when when scouts start looking at in the draft, that that Joe Burrow um, kind of can sense of a defense can um, just the way he can he can reroute his receivers, the way that he can he just sees everything before it happens. Like Joe Burrow is a real deal, man. He's he really is. He's so <clears throat> good, and it seems like his pass accuracy doesn't go down when he's on the run. It seems like it doesn't that doesn't matter, and so. Um, but at the same time, Clemson is Clemson. Um, they're gonna give them a fight because they're gonna give anyone a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope, I pray to God, that that LSU just dismantles them. Really? Because I'm just gonna be honest. I cannot stand Dabo Swinney. <laughs> He's just, he's so annoying. He's so cringy. He, for God's sakes, he listens to Joel Osteen, and that's his, like... He does not. Yes. I didn't know that. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> Breaking okay, news. Okay, after, after the Clemson-Ohio State game, Dabo Swinney, this is a direct quote from Dabo Swinney. They asked him about the game, and he said, God showed favor on us tonight. Like... God okay, it's care awesome about that you have games. exactly like it's awesome that he Yikes. has faith. He's incorporating faith into his football team. But when you're incorporating a prosperity gospel, that is the I mean, let's not get theological here. But like, I don't care. Let's get theological. Well, here. you are sitting when with you're, two pastors. Yeah, when you're <laughs> when you're incorporating the prosperity gospel in your team, you are you're more than likely hurting them. Yeah. If you tell them wrong. that if they pray and if they if they believe in God, that He's gonna let them win a football game, like yeah, because because Dabo, hey buddy, Dabo, knock knock, you're listening. What happens if the other team prays to win too? 
what happens then? Ooh. Is it whoever washed the dishes better? Is it whoever prayed a longer prayer? Is it whoever read their Bible the most? Is it whoever read the New Testament instead of the Old Testament? I mean, what are we really getting yeah. down to here? I mean, he, it's just... It's cringy. He also just implements this idea that Clemson is some kind of, like, underdogs or, like, they're that they, just, like... That we've written them off. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, dude, no, just schedule somebody. Just play yeah. somebody. And I understand, like, Nick Saban... They talked to Nick Saban in a press conference earlier this year, and they said... People knock you for your schedule. Why don't you play anyone? He's like, well, I wish you could see the teams that we reach out to mm-hmm. to put on our schedule, but they won't do it. Teams won't play us. Here's my thing with always arguing about how Bama schedules nobody. Okay, I understand. Yeah, they play a week non-conference. But, like, look who they have to play in conference play. Like, mm-hmm. you have to go up against Auburn, LSU, A&M. Like, these are real teams. And, and Zach, you may not agree with this. I don't know. But... The SEC was far and away the best conference in the country this year. I don't think it was close. Um, Just going down the line, LSU, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Auburn. Yeah. Those are top 15 teams. Yeah. I would have to agree. I think you're way more top-heavy, though, than you've ever been because you have some teams in the SEC who are starting to really regress. and But then again... You're right. I mean, the SEC did have the best comment just because of LSU, but, Auburn, Alabama, and even Georgia. Georgia was up there, too. Also, I mean, th- with the exception of Vanderbilt, there's no team in the SEC that doesn't have a bright future, either. You know, you look at, like, the worst teams in, in, in the SEC right now. Tennessee has a 24-star O-line for next year. They have transfers out the wazoo. They're going to have a... If transfers count for recruiting class, Tennessee would have a top 10 recruiting class. Um, the East is wide open for anyone mm-hmm. next year. You look at Ole Miss as Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. They're setting the, uh, a precedent. Um, Mike Leach is in the SEC. The yeah. Egg Bowl between yeah. Leach and Are you kidding me, man? Yeah. Like... Dude, I'm telling you, the SEC is its the most dominant conference. And I'm sorry, it has been for years. And I know, I'm know i not a big SEC or the conference pride guy. Like, I'm not going to sit there at a bowl game and yell SEC, SEC, SEC. I hope the SEC sucks because I want my team to win, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm also going to recognize that oh, Texas A&M is, is getting better. Like, mm-hmm. I'm also going to recognize that my team is in the best conference. And that sucks for my team. Yeah. That I have that we have to play Alabama every single year. That we have to play Florida and Georgia every single year. Yeah. Not to mention Florida and Georgia don't even have to play at the other stadium. Yep. They play at a neutral site every year, and the whole SEC is out of whack. I don't think we should have um, you playing a random West team and then playing the same West team every year because Kentucky gets to play Mississippi State every year, yep. but but. Uh, Florida and Tennessee have to play LSU and Alabama every year. Like, yeah. Tell me how that's fair. Yeah. <clears throat> I think we're going to run into issues is, you're right, there are some teams in the East, especially, really only in the East, that are perspective because it is wide open. And so there's some hope and there's some recruiting benefits that you can say, hey, come here because, listen, it's anyone's game right now. Anyone can take this. But you have the other side of the SEC with Alabama, LSU, that side of the conference for the foreseeable future, is pretty much locked up. I mean, 
Yeah, well, well, I will say that um, I do think the West is kind of starting to to even out a little bit, um, just especially with Lane Kiffin and, and Mike Leach coming in and the Mississippi State. Yeah. Um, Mississippi State's going to be a team that probably uh, won't win the SEC, but they're going to beat teams that they shouldn't. They're mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna probably win eight games with him. They're gonna be the only air raid passing attack in the SEC. Um, they're gonna be interesting. Um, I'm really excited for Mike Leach to be there, and I say that because Tennessee doesn't have to play Mississippi State for eight years. So, there you go. There uh, you go. It's always good because we played them this year and won. So I'll say that. But um, I mean, I I think the only team. That the future just doesn't look good is is Vanderbilt and maybe South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina is hurting. Well, Muschamp's not the guy, man. <laughs> yeah, they're getting left behind fast. Yeah, I don't think there's a debate as to whether SEC is the best conference or not. Um, I think if there's any challenge, all. it's Big Ten. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, the Big Ten is is up there and. I wish the Big 12 would be better than it is, but unfortunately, we're just seeing a crap show. So, um, And you're going to see OU not make the playoff. Just because of our track record being in the playoffs, you're going to see us not have a playoff berth for a while. Mm, yep. Because they're, they're, they're going to stop saying, okay, let's put OU in because we know they're going to get destroyed by 40. Okay. I mean, that, that just got, has got to stop happening. OU losing to an SEC team. Rinse, wash, repeat. You yeah, know, it, it happens. just happens every But let's year. keep talking about the 2012 Sugar Bowl. Let's keep doing it. And those five straight conference championships. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> but I just... will say, though, the game against Georgia, where it goes into double overtime. Mm, that game was good. That was a good game. game. It's a good game. But other than that, yes. Keep in man. mind, that's a Georgia team that's in their second year with Kirby Smart. Yeah. That was amazing for them. I hate Georgia, but like. Yeah. Um, but also, um, I'm kind of blanking on what I was going to say, but, oh, just, it made me so mad seeing on Twitter people, like, people trashing OU and the, and saying, like, oh, well, OU probably wasn't the best team to be the number four team. But then again, who would, though? Because you have that's Utah or Oregon. Would they really have done that much better than yeah, OU? Yeah, that's the thing. As I, as I, no, I don't. Um, and I think that that's why some change should be made because it's like I kept getting the excuse okay well don't lose more than one game it's like okay well okay Barbara I'd love to not yeah. I'd love to not lose more than one game but I play a real team I don't play Kansas you know like, yeah. like the Big 12 is so down the yep. Pac-12 is so down you look at the three teams that are occupying for that fourth spot Yeah, it's like teams that are all going to lose to LSU because they don't play anyone Exactly. Of course they have one loss. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And that's the, I mean, there's got to be an expansion or there's got, there's something's got to change. Because... And I know you can't control that. I mean, I know right. that, I know that you schedule UCLA thinking they're going to be good. Yeah. Like, that's Hopefully, a, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, and that's the thing that we were talking about before is when, when you look at teams like Clemson, teams like Clemson hasn't really played anyone. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't want to blame them for not playing anyone when probably nobody wants to play them. Right. Yeah. And that's very true because, I mean, love him or hate him, Davos got some, he's got some players over there. He's got a good system, especially that defensive coordinator too. He's, he's solid. Mm-hmm. So, I think LSU wins um, by touchdown. I think that they're just, they're just too much to handle. Mm-hmm. They're they're a lot. I mean, they're a lot. 
and Joe Burrow is the truth. The Heisman, Heisman winner for this year, number one overall draft pick, soon to be. Quite possibly the greatest season ever by a college quarterback, too. Yeah. Easily in the SEC. Yeah. Quite possibly everyone's favorite character this year in uh, in college football. And, um, you know, we love characters. We love people that put on Conor McGregor in the UFC. It's quite the character, whether or not, you know, mm. he's still the best in the world or not. Uh, Joe Burrow, and then the NFL. Who's our character in the NFL? Really, Freddie Antonio Kitchens? Antonio Brown. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The Browns. The shirt. lovable. The lovable. Antonio Brown. <laughs> Going after Logan Paul. Uh, that was hilarious. He said, I'll drop you faster than that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Man, I... Um, I got that AMC Stubbs thing, that A-list, um, where I can go see three movies a week if I just pay like 20 bucks a month. It's freaking awesome. So I've been really getting into movies and stuff. And so, Will, you brought this idea to me um, last year. And uh, it was about who is the most lovable, is that the word you use? Yeah, lovable. Lovable movie character. And I think that, I mean, there's different ways, I guess, that, that people define lovable because... Okay. I mean, we get ideas. It's like, like people will tell me, okay, well, if we're talking about Star Wars, okay, Luke Skywalker. You know, everyone loves Luke. Like, there's nobody that doesn't really like Luke Skywalker. But it's like, that's not really what I'm talking about with lovable. Like, lovable is sure. in, like, puppies are lovable, right? No matter what they do. Just objectively lovable. They're lovable. Yeah. yeah. Like, I like Luke Skywalker, but I don't love him. Like, I don't want to hang out with Luke Skywalker all day. But... <laughs> You wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to go to the calf. You wouldn't want to go. No. To, uh... No, I mean I don't really care that much. Like he's in, he's the protagonist. Awesome, but when we look at lovable in movies, one character when we're talking about Star Wars specifically, okay, sticks out. And guys, I'm gonna tell you, R two D two, R two is undefeated, man. Because here's the thing. One thing that is so impressive about R2-D2 is, you can't deny it, like, R2-D2 has a personality, you know? Like, you can see R2-D2's personality, and you kind of see him, and you're like, this thing's awesome. Like, <laughs> like I want to take one home. Like, I love this thing. Like, but he doesn't talk. He just beeps. Right. And he still finds a way to get his emotions, like, and everything across. Like, it's amazing. And just watching Star Wars, and it's like, this droid that's like wasn't really supposed to be like a massive part of the story mm-hmm. has now become like one of the faces of the franchise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When you go to a Disney store, you see R2D2 stuff everywhere, you know? Right. People love him. Right. R2D2 is one of those characters. He could literally do anything in the movie. He could kill a bunch of people. I'm talking mass genocide. And you would still be like, it's just that pesky little R2. Like, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. That pesky little R2 is at it again. Like, there he goes. Just killing more people. But we can't, can't do anything about it. Because just look at him. Just look at how he rolls. He could commit. His little, his little beeps. They're so cute. <laughs> he could commit Grand Theft Auto. And I would look at him and say, you are. Look at you. A little R2. <laughs> give him a little, like, rub on the tops. And it's like, like, everything that he does. Like, for example, in the in the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Whenever um, he gets like caught by the droids and he just starts flying and just like shooting them or like whatever he yeah, does, lights like, him on fire yeah, with the oil like... that he spills. I have a I have a um, 
I have a proposition. So, have you seen Reje- Revenge of the Sith? Oh, yeah. That is the a scene, uh, badass movie. The se- I, it's my favorite Star Wars movie. It's, the, it's my favorite. Um, which is contrary to popular... Most people want to say it's like Empire Strikes Back or whatever. No, yeah, it's I Revenge like of the Sith. Really? Yes. I, I think mine's Dude, mine's I love favorite. I love New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. I can't, um, I can't get enough of those. I, I digress. Um, the scene where Anakin is turned to the dark side and oh. is instructed to murder oh. all of the Jedi if you replace Anakin with a with a dark side R2 let's say R2 has no longer blue stripes but has red stripes and walks in rolls in to the uh, to the sanctuary of children oh my gosh wielding a lightsaber of sorts or maybe a torch um, I don't know <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a torch. <laughs> I don't know his weapon of choice. If if R two commits that genocide, do we still just is there? Do we still stand? Do we still? <laughs> is there a redemptive quality in him? And and do we dismiss that act as just R two? It's just it's it's fine. Like Star two. There's still R2. hope for him. Like, is there something in the Star Wars universe, an act committed, that if R2 did that, we would discredit him? Because if the answer is no, he automatically wins the most lovable movie character. I mean, that's also, that's kind of subjective. Like, True. Very true. I would probably discredit him if he murdered a bunch of little kids. Because the kids are so cute, he's like... Like, what do we do next? And they just lightsaber fade to black. Like, gosh. So I have some, um, I have some notable, uh, notable characters that I would like to uh, throw in honorable mentions. Some other lovable we, characters. See what we would think about that. Okay. Okay. Um, Wally, the robot Wally. God, it's always robots. And that's the thing too. It's almost characters that don't necessarily say anything, but you have to kind of imply like what they're saying and like their personality. Also, um, Russell from Up, mm, the Boy Scout, yeah, is up there. Um, I don't think Wally is perennial enough. You don't think so? I mean. Star Wars compared to Wally, like R two D two would wipe the floor with Wally. Oh my gosh, R two would kill him, and we'd all applaud. <laughs> um, Toto from Wizard of Oz, the dog. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. It's, it's, not, it's just a dog. It's just, it's a, just dog. a dog. E T. That thing's scary. It did. It did terrify me as a small child. But pretty lovable, glowing finger, glowing yeah. heart. Taught us all to look to the stars. Okay, we're getting outside of the kids' movies here. We're going more, more adult level. Forrest Gump. I mean, dare I say? Came. Okay, Forrest Gump is, is, is that kind of insensitive on... to say that he's. If I say he's not a level movie character, I mean, I, in a way, I think it's insensitive that like it's kind of on the same level of R two D two that we look at him. 
You know? <laughs> Come on. Let's be real. Like, let's be honest. Like, mentally, like, he's not all there, you know? He's just, not a... I just think of that scene. Have you guys ever seen Tropic Thunder? A lot. Oh, time. man, there's that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, you know what scene I'm talking about. I'm not going to say it because it's sort of offensive. Yeah. But, uh, that's just man. what I think of. Um, Boo from Monsters, Inc. Mm. The small child. Yeah, she's pretty lovable. Because she kind of really can't form sentences. But then again, like, almost made me cry at, oh, wait a minute. Jack-Jack's pretty lovable. Jack-Jack, Jack-Jack. That's a good one. Incredibles character. That's actually a really good one. That's a good one. Because we have sort of an R2 complex where this, he actually can do a lot of things. Like, he's really powerful and ends up terrorizing a raccoon. And we're just like, oh. Jack, Jack, Jack. Oh, you go, Jack, Jack. Um, Marley from Marley and Me. He's dead, doesn't count. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, let's see here. Really, that's not, that's not one. I don't know. He might take the cake. This I might just, be controversial. Oh, it... It's controversial. But I, I appeared on a uh, I appeared on a radio show a couple weeks ago where where I wasn't agreed with. What did someone counter? Well, no, they didn't agree with me, but they didn't counter with anything. You, if you can't, if you're not gonna agree, you're not gonna counter. you gotta counter. Exactly. They didn't really agree. They just talked about how they didn't really like R two. Who does? Okay, first of all, what? how do you not like R two? And they said that they liked C three PO. And okay. Explain that C-3PO is kind of annoying. Okay. If they've seen The Rise of Skywalker, there's a reason why C-3PO should not be in that conversation. And it's because he refuses to describe mm-hmm. the holocron. R2 would have just been like, screw it. I'm saying it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then R2 is even the one that restores his memory. Okay? Exactly. So there's just more virtuous aspects mm. of R2. Okay, hear me out. Okay. Are the minions I hate lovable, oh, lovable or annoying? I wait a minute. That is a good that's a good entry. You don't like the minions? No. See, Why? they ruined it with the whole minions movie, but before that, kinda lovable. Yeah, maybe from the first despicable me. <laughs> yeah, from the first despicable me. But I'm tired <laughs> of walking around and seeing minion backpacks. And seeing minions everywhere I go. There's nothing special about them. They don't do anything. It has got to become a status symbol of the white middle class. It's ridiculous. It's everywhere. A status symbol. Not even the white middle, like the white middle lower class. Is it just Edmund people in general? Is that just describing Edmund? Minions are a product of racism. Explain. <laughs> they're a product. They're a product of the white racist middle class. I hate them. Gosh, they look like little Vienna ploy. sausages. <laughs> they're ploy by DreamWorks. Mind Universal. control. They're horrible. Holy crap. 
Um, horrible. Goodness. Um, I'd watch Cats before I watch any of these movies. Does TV move? Do do TV shows count in this, or is it just movies? Uh, movies. Okay. Film. I was gonna say, and it, maybe just Star Wars as a whole has lovable characters, but people really latched on to Baby Yoda this year. Oh yeah. In a way that I haven't seen in a while. He just kind of became a meme. He did become a meme. But also, like, I think one of the biggest reasons why really the R2 is the most lovable of all time is because of how big of a deal Star Wars is. Yeah. Star Wars is probably the number one movie movie franchise ever. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I disagree with this R2 most lovable character. I can't really I mean, think I feel it. like when you give it time, when you open your mind, when you think about it, it just makes the most sense. You let it marinate. Yeah. Let it sit in there a while. Yeah. I think uh, if you disagree, we'd love to hear who in the world you would prefer instead of R2 as the most lovable movie character. And then pers- we will proceed to disagree and tell you yeah. all the reasons why you're wrong. Send a tweet over at Tall Guys Pod. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know what's going on. Um. Will, is there anything that you have either, I don't want to say experienced or anything going on for you that you would like to delve into and talk about? Maybe opinions that you have or, um, I don't know, certain things you've, you've seen or, I don't know, things that have happened that you have strong feelings towards that we can, uh, kind of sort of collaborate bounce ideas off of man I don't know it's pretty broad I mean like yeah uh, nothing uh, nothing too specific I've been thinking about recently I haven't really done much thinking did a lot of a lot of schooling a lot of schooling work yeah that leads me to um, we'll do a corner Ross if you're unfamiliar with our corners we have a variety of them um, we'll do a corner here real quick and um, Will will be the first guest to appear in one of the Tall Guys Corners. Um, and I'll start us off because I, I had something happen to me um, recently as I was, you know, like I said earlier, I, I like to delve into the film world. I like to go see a movie on the weekend. And um, I was on my way to go see uh, Little Women. And okay, first off, here, I need to go on a tangent here. I wasn't going to bring this up, but I am. Okay, I went and saw. People, males that are not going to this movie, okay? It is fine that they're not going. They don't have to go. It doesn't take away from the fact that it's a good movie. Okay, I'm tired of people saying that they're not seeing as many numbers going to go see this movie as they want to, and it's because the guys don't want to go watch it. That doesn't take away from the fact that this movie will probably win an Oscar. That's how good this movie is. Anyway, I digress. So, I go and see this movie at the mall, okay? As I always do, um, that's just where I'm located, and uh, that's the closest movie theater uh, that I can go to. And uh, my wife, my wife and I, were gonna go see Little Women, and uh, we were gonna go during uh, the day, so the, che- the tickets were cheaper, and uh, get some lunch afterwards. So we're on the highway, we're going, and uh, I'm driving the car, and I see, like, you know how you can tell from like fire smoke is different from like other types of you know whatever it's darker and there's a lot of it okay there's there's like a lot and so both of us are like where is that at like that looks like that looks bad and so as we get closer 
she's like, is that the mall? Like, is that at the mall? I was like, there's no way. I was like, it's farther. It's farther than that. As we get closer, there it is. The mall with dark smoke billowing from the area where there are restaurants in the food court. And so we get out of the car and the entrance we're going into is the closest to the smoke. But we didn't think anything. I mean, we were just like, okay, let's just go in. So it's very close proximity to us. And we get closer to the food court, which is located by the theater. You have to go through the food court to get to the movie theater. So we were gonna, there's no way around it. We get to the food court and there is smoke billowing from the Chinese restaurant where I don't know if they left the wontons in too long, if the fried rice was uh, became a sort of timber for the fire, but I can smell the smoke and there are firefighters. There's like six fire trucks there and there are firefighters there trying to like do their job and provide safety to the general public. And there are people enjoying their lunch. However, there are firemen that are trying to push them out and say, listen, you need to go because there is a fire close to you and there is smoke that you might die from. So I need you to leave. And I can't tell you how many people started arguing with the firemen saying, no, like I should be able to sit here and eat this while there is an imminent danger to my at least 50 yards away. And so both of us, we're almost lapped into that because we're like, do you think we could still go see the movie at this point? Like, could we get through the line of firemen? Like, that, we're actually thinking about that. And so we decide no, and then the fire alarm starts to go off. Well, instead of people actually, like, obeying the, the uh, evacuation, they're standing there, like, all videotaping the fire with their phones as the smoke pro progresses to get worse and worse. And, it, like, it's obviously, like, it's starting to creep into more of the mall, and I would, I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't watching for a little bit. But then Kinsey is like, you know what, we should probably go because smoke inhalation is a pretty easy way to die. So then I'm like, as a good husband that I am, I say, of course, we will leave. And so we go leave and more fire trucks pour in and pour in and people are coming out and people are just watching and, and seeing it, seeing it happen. But I was amazed and I'll be honest, I was waiting for the news report to come out and say that the fire appeared to have no casualties, but upon the um, pedestrians refusing to stop videotaping the fire, they died from smoke inhalation, and so thus there were casualties. But luckily that did not happen. But all I wanted to do was go see Little Women, but now I know for a fact that that Chinese restaurant, which should have been closed years ago, is in, is in fact closed, and I hope will be replaced with um, something else. Uh, preferably... Um, there's already most of the restaurants I like there, but I'm going to say Freddy's needs to go there. And, uh, that is my, I'm going to call it, um, pedestrian corner. I was not, I was not working. Um, I was in my casual self and, uh, that's my corner. My corner is one that I'm going to call student corner <laughs> because this happened while I was in college. Um, the names of the people will have been changed to protect the identities <laughs> of those involved. 
Uh, it was my freshman year of college, and me and a group of friends uh, decided to go out to an abandoned field. Um, and we decided, doing as all freshman college kids do, we decided we wanted to start a fire. And we thought that this fire, it's in the middle of nowhere. Nobody's going to get hurt. It's no big deal. So we started this fire down in a hole, a sort of kind of manhole-like thing. Manhole-esque. Manhole-esque little concrete tube in the ground. Um, There's some, like, abandoned furniture and, like, sticks and limbs and whatnot in a pile nearby. So we just kind of start throwing things in. We start throwing things into this kind of tube in the ground. And lo and behold, we begin a fire. We start a fire. And we're like, okay, it's kind of cool, a little bonfire. Um, just kind of chilling around the fire. And somebody in our group um, gets the bright idea to go to the gas station and get gasoline to throw on this fire. Which gasoline and fires do not mix. No way. Um, so while... <laughs> A group of four went off to the nearby local gas station to grab a canister of gas to bring back and, for whatever reason, throw on this fire and make it bigger. Me and another one of our friends was left at this fire, tending to the fire. Well, the fire started to get a little out of hand. (laughs) I'm talking, like, black smoke, dark black smoke billowing against the night sky. It was so black that you could see it. How black was it? You could see it against the night sky, which was already dark. We get the bright idea. We said, we need to contain this fire. We need to cover it up. Because if you cut off the oxygen to a fire, you're going to kill the fire. The buddy that I was with, not known to be bright, um... Picks up a wooden door and proceeds to cover said hole. Said hole with this wooden door. And we're like, I was like, uh, okay. So we just kind of left. We left it. We told everybody, we're like, hey, like, we're not gonna do the gasoline. Like, let's just let's just go. Like, it's time. It's time to leave. And we uh, you know, we head back home and Kind of forget about the whole thing until the next morning when we get a video of two of our friends who went back to this field to see how the fire ended up and we had burned off a ton of grass and it was very clear that somebody had to come and put out this fire. I'm pretty sure it was the fire department. (laughs) And so here we are worried, sick, that we're about to get charged with some kind of, like, arson or something. And lo and behold, nothing happened. But um, just just goes to show, don't play with fire, kids. Because fire is destructive and fire will hurt. Fire hurts. <laughs> fire, fire hurt. Well, this uh, isn't really as much of a funny story it's probably the story this might be a funny story it's probably the story that's requested uh requested the most from me it's probably more most famous for telling but um what should this corner be called this is gonna be called the uh 
the uh, I'm gonna call this the uh, hotel corner. Hotel corner. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm intrigued. All right. So freshman year, <clears throat> I was in college. Well, I'm still in college, but when I was a freshman, me and my friends. One thing that we would that we like to do was we like to go explore abandoned buildings. So, um, in the Oklahoma City area, there's a lot of abandoned buildings. Um, and so we kind of explored most of them. One place we were really fond of going to was this, I don't know how many stories, maybe 16 or 17 story, uh, well, let's go 11 or 12 story hotel. I'm not 100% sure, but it, it's it's tall. It's big. And it's this hotel. And so, I I wasn't a huge fan of doing it, but I did it because all my friends did, you know? We, we all went together. And then, you know, the rush, is, the rush was fun. Because, like, we don't know who's in those places. Right. And we, we had encountered homeless people in there several times. Um, and... So, I didn't really like going to this hotel a lot, but uh, we did it. And so, one day, it was my birthday, and we decide for my birthday what we're going to do. So, we're going to go to my favorite uh, restaurant in Edmond, Ted's. Uh, it's a wonderful restaurant, uh, wonderful establishment. <laughs> and so we're going to go there, eat some food, and then we're going to go down to Norman to a casino that I love called Riverwind. And so we're just going to have a good time when we were on my birthday. I was uh, 19. It's going to be a good time. So we get to Ted's. We're eating, having a good time. They bring in me out my free uh, sombrero and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. And so... They sing the song, yada yada. So then my friends start saying, Will, we should go to the hotel. And I'm like, actually, um, I would want to go to the casino. You know, we talked about this, guys. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, no, but we, we, we should really go to the hotel, though. I'm like, but that doesn't really sound that fun. <laughs> I'd rather go to the casino. On my they're like, Yeah, and they're like, come on, Will, like, let's just go to the hotel. And I was like, guys, you know it's my birthday, right? Like, I don't want to sound like a douche, but, like, you know what? We're celebrating here, right? And But so finally, after enough convincing, we settled that on the way to Norman, we would stop by this um, hotel for five, ten minutes, have fun, whatever, do whatever we wanted, and then leave. Um, keep in mind some sketchy things have happened in this hotel before. Now, the sketchiest thing that ever happened was we went down to the basement one time and into like the laundry room and there's these locked double doors that lead to outside. But they're locked with like a padlock. So we're in this laundry room just looking around and I'm I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. The doors start just boom, 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 like both these double doors just start shaking and shaking. This wasn't on my birthday. This was another time. Oh. Just to show you how scary this place is. Both these double doors start shaking, and it's getting more and more violent, like, every second, until they're just 
and I'm afraid these door the door is about to break. And then it just stops. Like I mean we had like left, but like we heard, we let and then we heard it stop. Now, I don't believe in ghosts. I think that it was somebody around the hotel that knew we were in there. Mm-hmm. But like that's scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? When you're a freshman in college, like that, that, that's scary, man. <laughs> um, seeing the real world for the first time, and that's what you're seeing, like, oh, it's just tough. And so we get there on my birthday, whatever, we uh, park, and then we go inside to the hotel. When we go inside, we go to the in, like the basement area where there's a, an old bar. So, and there's a bar, a sports bar inside the hotel. So we go inside of the bar, and I went in last, and so I'm walking in, and in, and then I see my friends look inside the bar, and they're they're like, oh. And so I walk in and I see it, and inside the bar, you guys ever seen V for Vendetta? Uh yeah yeah. You know the the mask. Uh-huh. Yeah. I see two men. In the bar. Smoking cigarettes through a hole in their V for Vendetta masks and hoodies that are ripped. And so we see them and we immediately run, Uh right? So we immediately run, book it up the stairs. We're bolting up the stairs. And I hear one of my friends yell, get to the roof. And I say, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) Because we're running, they're like, get to the roof. And I was like, what? No. And so I, as I'm running up, I book it through the first door, which puts me on the third floor, um, which would really be the second floor from the ground. Mm. And so I'm running through this, right? Yeah. And so I'm running through, and then as I'm running down the hallway, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know the outline of this place that well. I've only been one or two times. Mm -hmm. But as I'm running, I look left, and lo and behold... Like the Holy Grail, next to the elevators, there's a window. It's completely shattered out. And so I'm wearing chacos, by the way, sandals. So I stop and book it left, and I'm sprinting without even slowing down. I sprint and I jump out of the second floor of this hotel, land on the ground into all the broken glass, roll and sprint away. Now, a couple of my friends followed me. We look back, and we can see the guys in the mask sitting there looking at us. They didn't, they didn't want to jump. but And so we figure out that I mean, we still have friends inside. Uh-huh. And so we don't know what's happening. Like, And I'm like, all right, guys, we have to call the cops. Like, this is the, only, we, like the cops, they got to get us out of this. And then my friends are like, no, no, Will, we can't call the cops. Like, we can't. Um, and I'm like, why? That's the only logical situation. <laughs> it's the only logical thing we can do right now is call the cops. And like, no, we're going to get in trouble for being here. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. Our friends are about to die. Like, and so then, as I'm about to call the cops, my friend takes my phone. He's like, no, no, we can't call the cops, dude. And I was like, dude, come on. Well, I was like, then you figure out a way to get us out of this. And as soon as I say that, like a, like a freaking storybook, we hear something from up above, and we look up on the roof, and there's a man with a mask holding our friend Brady 
up to the side of like uh, like on the roof of this 10 story like if you fall you die yeah. you know like and he's holding him almost over the edge he's like screaming telling us like you guys got five minutes to get up here uh, or your friend is toast and stuff like that and so we're like alright guys we gotta get a plan and so what we do is I tell them this but you have to think logical in this situation, right? So, here's what we do. We walk into the hotel, like, up where the hotel is. We walk down to where they can't see us anymore, and they think we're coming up. But, what's going to happen is me and another guy are going to sneak back around, get to my car, call the cops, and or go get help. You know? Yeah. So, it's successful. We do it. Then finally, I get a call from my friend Brady, who is like, well, where are you? Where are you? And I was like, and I, I thought that, my first thought is, okay, these guys have forced Brady into calling mm-hmm. me to figure out where I am. And so I'm saying, I don't know where I am. My guy, I don't know where, like, where I am. I don't know how to find anything and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what do you mean you don't know? Will, what do you mean? And then, like, I figure out that he, he, he tells me that he had, like, um, ended up, like, getting away or something mm. like that. I don't know how he got away, but, um, anyway. So he's like, well, we're, we're coming down now. Like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. And so then, um, I don't really remember what happened from that part to the next part, but he ends up down there. And then, finally... I end up on the phone with the perpetrator for the whole thing, like of the masked man. Mm-hmm. And he and I was like, dude, just tell me, like, what, like, what do you want? Do you want money? Like, we have money. And he's like, I don't want money. I don't want money. And I was like, then what do you want? And he wouldn't answer me, so I didn't know what he's getting at here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, come down here. Like, come down here, like where we're on the ground, not ten feet in the air, where. Like, where everyone can see us, if they're just looking up, mm-hmm. and come down here, and we'll figure it out down here, or whatever. I'm terrified. You know, this is the scare- most scared I've ever been in my life. He comes down, and he's walking out, like, six of my friends, him and another guy in a mask. Like, whole- and they have guns. Did I mention that? They have guns. Oh, no, you didn't. Um, well, I didn't see the guns until they came down, like, to the to the floor area mm. but my friends also told me that they had guns and they're like yeah they were hitting us with their guns and stuff like that and so that was, that was pretty scary and they come out with guns and they're like bro like uh, or we're like bro what do you want what do you want and then um, he starts saying he wants money and so we're like okay so we get all of our wallets I don't have cash I don't ever carry cash <laughs> yeah. and so I'm like guys I don't have cash like, what do I do what do I do as we're walking up there we're like what do we do I don't have cash I don't have any money I was like do you, do you guys have, have cash do you have a cash app? I was like yeah I have cash so it was like I just took everyone's wallets and, and I was like threw them and I was like just give us our friends we'll give you your money like we don't care and so I don't have any money I have a, my account was probably withdrawn and so I just like <laughs> throw the wallets over there and then he comes up with the gun and he just starts like pushing me like, he starts pushing me, and he has a gun. Like, this guy's, like, clearly insane. Like, I don't know what's happening right now. Like, I don't know why he's coming after me. Like, I don't know what I did. He's pushing me. He has the gun. 
holds it up to my temple. And I'm like, all right, he's about to kill me. You know, like, I'm about to die. And I will say, this is a more serious part of the story. Um, I don't know if this is depressing or not, but uh, I choose to believe that it's a joyous thing. There was a, a pretty overwhelming uh, sense of peace in that moment for me. Like, that mm-hmm. I was like, I knew I was about to die, and I wasn't, like, really freaking out that much. I was just kind of like, all right, hmm. just let it happen. Wow. But then I don't get shot. Instead, I look up, and I'm just going to say his name. It's Braden French <laughs> standing there, and he says, Happy birthday, Will. I just jumped out <laughs> of a two-story building into glass. I sprained my ankle. Like, I'm cut up with glass all down my arms and legs. Like, I'm in serious physical and psychological pain. I thought I was going to die. But, so at the moment, all I'm thinking about is, I'm so happy I'm not dead. I'm so happy this is a joke. I'm not dead. And I was like, oh, guys, wow, that was awesome. Like, good one. Like, I can't believe you. And I started sure just saying bullshit. Like, like oh, I, I can't believe that uh, you guys went through all, like, did all this for me. Like, that's so awesome. Like, you guys are good friends and stuff like that. Not realizing that, I've, that I'm going to have nightmares about this for, like, the next <laughs> few months. You. Yes, it's traumatize you. Yes, it's a traumatic moment in my life. Like, I don't really like sharing the story, but, I mean, for the for the for followers, the, for the brand, you know, the brand. for the brand, and so oh, like, for the tall guys, and so like, I still to this day, I'm like, they're like, dude, remember when we pulled that prank? I'm like, yeah, I do. That was ridiculous. <laughs> like, oh, but you're so happy, you act so happy when it happened. I was like, yeah, because I wasn't dead. Because I wasn't dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I can't believe that actually. I'm happened. still upset about that to this day. I would be. I can't even believe that happened. And they still will sometimes try to get me to go back there. Oh, no Absolutely. way. Absolutely. No, no way. Why would I do that? I thought I was going to die. Wow, that's an all-time great story, though. Yeah, it's definitely one of my best. Yeah. That was but incredible. Wow. That's the takes best. Takes a long time, but... That's the best corner we've had. Takes a long time, but... Yeah. <clears throat> it was well worth it. Well worth it. All right, well, Will, we appreciate you having you on the uh, on the Tall Guys pod. You are an honorary tall guy. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yep. It means a lot. I'm not so, as tall as you guys, but... Uh, we run into that. We, yeah. we run into that a lot. But And we get some listeners that are that are upset about the title of our show. Yeah. But if you listen and or get on the show, you are an honorary tall guy. It's really all you can ask for in life. Mm-hmm. So, well, we appreciate you having on, and um, we hope to have you on sometime in the future again. Sure, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Me. Of course. Of course. Ross, you want to end with the closing, closing remarks? remarks? Sounds yeah. good. Will, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, it was wonderful having you on. Um, if you like this episode, leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our podcast. Um, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you might listen to podcasts. Um, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Tall Guys Pod. <laughs>